Welcome to Conversations about Crohn's and Colitis. Today we're talking about diet and what role it plays in controlling inflammatory bowel disease. Joining me today is University of Minnesota registered dietitian Levi Tigan. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now first we should tell folks what inflammatory bowel disease is. It's basically inflammation in the bowel and it depends on where that location is except mm -hmm. for Crohn's which can be anywhere in your digestive tract, right? Right, yep. Yep. And so that's why diet is really important. Are there any specific diets that are good for patients with inflammatory bowel disease? Um, I would say specific diets. Um, at this point, we don't have evidence to support any one specific diet. I think that there is clearly going to be a relationship between diet and IBD. Um, what that relationship is, we're still working on. I would say in the past decade or so, there's been a bit of a paradigm shift in that in the past, it used to be pretty much low fiber, avoid as much fiber plant stuff as possible. And more recently, there's been kind of a shift towards um, and an appreciation for your gut microbiome and just the importance that fiber plays in maintaining kind of a healthy gut bacteria. Um, and so now there's a shift towards more of a holistic sort of a diet, um, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done before we could say that there is a specific diet that could help in IBD. Yeah, and I know everyone is different. I have Crohn's and I know there's not one specific thing right. that's gonna work for everybody. Now I know a popular diet um, is the Mediterranean mm -hmm. diet. Mm -hmm. Can you tell folks about that? Sure, um, so the Mediterranean diet is, um, it's been popularized primarily in cardiac or kind of heart, for heart healthy eating. Um, at its core, it essentially emphasizes kind of plant-based eating, limiting intake of animal fats, red meats. Um, it encourages, it's kind of a pescatarian sort of a diet in that it encourages your meats or your proteins to be more fish um, or lean meats um, and use more kind of oils, olive oil, um, as your fat sources, uh, but then it also primarily and kind of what makes it so quote-unquote healthy is that it emphasizes plant-based eating, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, that sort of thing. And that has a lot of fiber in it, which yes. used to be a big no-no. Right, yes, correct. Wow. Correct. Okay. So, like I said, yes, there's been a bit of a paradigm shift, um, and that has been spawned kind of by our new understanding of the importance of gut bacteria and gut microbiome. Um, where that will lead, we'll see. There's active research being done, um, but at this point, um, it's moved from just restrict all fiber to let's see if we can figure out how to make this work more holistically. Yeah, and I know another popular one, and this is not, well, IBD and IBS are two separate things, but mm -hmm. I know there's a diet called the FODMAP yes. diet that yes. people are trying. Yes. Um, is that successful? Yeah, so that one is um, very successful um, for IBS, um, which is irritable bowel syndrome. So that's different from IBD in that there's not the inflammatory component. Um, it, it, what we know about it is, um, only in the short term, so essentially less than a year. But what we know is that in most cases, individuals with IBS who go on the diet tend to experience a at least short-term symptom improvement. 
Um, what we don't understand is what effects that has long term. Um, but the idea behind the diet is it's a very restrictive diet for something like four to six weeks, and then you slowly add the foods that were originally excluded back in. So ideally, you would return to a very comprehensive sort of a diet. Yeah, and these di well, I have Crohn's, like I said, and, and I know, um, like if you're going through a flare, it's very hard to eat when you're hurting. Yes. Um, and, and also, you're not getting the nutrition right. that you need. So what, what should people do? Like, say you're in a flare, is there anything that you can do, say, when you don't want to eat? Sure, sure. Um, I would say generally the kind of basic recommendations that we'll generally give people are just kind of small, frequent meals or even just sipping on some sort of calorie-containing liquid. Um, depending on the severity of the flare and exactly how you're feeling, it may be just something as simple as juice or Gatorade would be something with some calories that you could just take sips of. Um, ideally, you'd be able to eat something with a little more comprehensive nutrition, but in the short term, um, something at least with some calories would be good, especially if you're having a hard time eating much of anything. Shakes in included. <laughs> right, yeah. And then if you're able to do a little better, go a little bit heavier, you could turn more towards kind of the meal replacement sorts of shakes, like Ensure, Boost, or those sorts of things. Um, ideally, you'd be able to take in kind of some softer, more well-tolerated sorts of foods, even if it's just something like toast or um, softer things like bananas, avocados, nut butters, that sort of stuff. I'm addicted to almond butter, so that's my thing. <laughs> so we had some questions from Twitter, okay. um, and there was actually a lot of, there was a pretty good response here. So let's start with the first one. Okay, Sean wants to know, he has Crohn's. What types of foods would you recommend so a person with Crohn's is getting enough folate and vitamin A? Um, so this sort of, again, gets back at this recent shift more towards plant-based diets and eating. Um, so in the past, it would have been hard because those vitamin A folate are going to be found in, going to be primarily in your vegetables, especially like your dark leafy greens sorts of things. Um, and so in the past, we would have said no, no, but now um, there would be a role for those sorts of things in the diet. Um, Depending on where you're at, um, I've recently um, found what's called the anti-inflammatory diet in IBD through the University of Massachusetts. Um, it's based on the specific carbohydrate diet, and I don't know that I buy the diet as an absolute sort of a diet, but I like that there's a couple themes. Um, the one primary theme that I like is that it emphasizes um, fiber intake based on texture, depending on how your symptoms are. That's interesting. Um, yeah, so during like a flare or with a heavy symptom type of period, um, it would emphasize more of the pureed, soft texture sorts of foods kind of at baseline. So things like bananas, avocados, that sort of thing. Um, and then as you start to feel better, it would move back towards kind of the more eventually to kind of the raw fruits and vegetables. Um, but so applying that concept to your dark leafy greens and things, we would anticipate that something like a smoothie, where it's broken up before you're even ingesting it, would be better tolerated than eating like a raw salad, for instance. So if you're looking for a way to get in those dark leafy greens, uh, but you know you can't tolerate 
obviously a raw salad, um, something more along the lines of like a smoothie or kind of try to puree it as best as you can would be an option to get some of those vitamins. Interesting. So uh, before we go to our next question, how would you know if you were in trouble? Like say, like, I mean, can you tell with your nails? Can you, how can you tell like you're not getting what you need to sustain your body? Yeah. Um, I would say, so there's some physical signs um, that can develop over time. Um, and they vary based on the different vitamins, minerals, that sort of thing. They're gonna be things that are gonna show up after you've already developed the deficiency. So I would say that the best method to try to prevent any sort of long-term deficiency would be to make sure you're getting regular labs, um, depending on how you're doing and how well the disease is managed. Um, that could be anywhere from every three, six months to a year if you're doing particularly well. Uh, but I would say any just via blood, any sort of labs you could get, those nutritional markers are gonna be, they'd give you much better insight in the short term as to how you're doing nutritionally. Yeah, if you're feeling weak or something, mm -hmm. does, does, are those kind of symptoms too? Yeah, so the, the other issue too is that the, a lot of the symptoms associated with vitamin mineral deficiencies are very general symptoms um, that you could be experiencing for a number of other reasons, and so that's where um, those blood tests are gonna be particularly they're going to be very specific to what you're looking for. Okay, so Julie wants to know, she has Crohn's and she also has an ostomy. What happens when someone says they can cure your IBD with diet? This is a pet peeve of mine, because sure. we all know <laughs> there's, there's no cure for right. inflammatory bowel disease. Right. So yes. what, would, what would you say to that? Yes, um, I would say that you would want to be very cautious at that statement. Um, like you said, there is no cure for IBD at this time. Um, I would say the w way that I view diet is that it can be used to optimize control of your IBD, um, but there's definitely going to be a role for um, a number of different disciplines within IBD, whether that's stress management, whether that's medications, diet, they're all going to play a part in controlling IBD. Um, and so rather than trying to cure IBD, I would just see diet as something that could help optimize control of IBD. Yeah, the, the, the cure part is always the catch yes. part. <laughs> <laughs> so Jill wants to know, she says, what are the best gut-friendly foods for kids to eat to help them gain weight? Because we know that's a big problem when you're going through a flare. Sure, yeah. Um, so I would say generally, um, if you're looking for weight gain, um, Anything that's going to have fat and protein is going to help with that. The place you're probably going to find the friendliest, um, most gut-friendly foods is probably going to be within the nut butter sort of a realm. Um, so things like almond butter, peanut butter um, are going to be very high in calories, high in protein, high in nutrients, contain some fiber, um, but again, they're texture will be very soft in that, and so we'd anticipate that it would be fairly well tolerated. Um, otherwise, if you can tolerate dairy, um, if even if not regular cow's milk, but fermented things like yogurt, um, if you could do more of like a whole fat sort of a yogurt, that's going to be a good source of calories and protein as well. Okay, so this is a personal one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of times they use prednisone, which is a steroid, to control inflammatory bowel disease, sure. but it makes you gain weight. So what can you do to um, to lose the weight that, that's put on after you've been on prednisone. Sure, sure. Um, 
That's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the almond butter's not going to cut? Yeah, so that's definitely, yeah, something that's going to occur on a fairly regular basis with the use of prednisone. Um, and so part of it is we want to take into account where your disease management is at the time. Um, so we definitely don't want you to be losing any weight if you're still going through a flare, there's still active inflammation. Really? Um, that's just not a great time to try to lose weight because your body is going to pull from um, your muscle essentially to support that inflammation. And so the weight you're going to be losing is going to be a lot of muscle or lean mass, um, which when you're not, when then you're trying to lose weight down the road um, is going to be kind of what would drive your metabolism. Um, once you're out of the flare, um, inflammation has resolved, then it would be any sort of generic um, sort of diet recommendations that are going to help with weight loss, um, trying to eat smaller portions. Again, it gets back to as best you can, kind of that plant-based eating, um, trying to include larger portions of fruits, vegetables. I like the idea of the plate method um, in that ideally, um, depending on which foods you can tolerate, um, You'd have half your plate as fruits or vegetables. You'd have kind of a quarter of your plate as your starch or your bread, and then kind of the other quarter as your meat or protein. Um, and that's kind of a good way to control caloric intake, but also ensure you're getting a nutrient-dense diet. I have a big plate. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been very interesting. I really appreciate you, you know, joining the conversation. Yes. If folks want to find you, what's your, your email? or do you, Are you on Twitter? I am not on Twitter. Okay. Um, they can reach you at the University of Minnesota. But they can reach me at the University of Minnesota. Um, my email is teige027 at umn.edu. Maybe you could tweet it out. Yeah, we'll tweet later. it out or we'll tweet it away. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Okay, we're going to be right back.